today on Real Radio. If you're a Christian today, every day, though we are saved and going to heaven, every day we get up and we say, good morning, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. Take me, Lord. Use me, Lord. I give my life to you, Lord. And there's that perpetual yieldedness to God, right? It's in our hearts. And I trust that's in your heart today. Welcome to Real Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Radio, Pastor Jack now continues his series called The First Epistle of Peter with a message called Anchored to the One True God, and this is part three. It's been said that a pat on the back really goes a long way. The Apostle Peter understood this, and his words of encouragement arrived just in time to bring comfort and inspiration, even though many Christ followers of Peter's day were suffering under the heavy hand of the Romans. Now, Peter reminds them that these trials and persecutions will not defeat them. The Bible also tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Only God's Word and His promises can bring us such comfort. Peter knew all too well how true that was. He lived in times of desperation and distress, but through God's infinite love, Peter rose above his circumstances. That's why his passion to bring light to those who are in the darkness and hope for the Christ followers who are enduring great suffering was his calling and one of his life's greatest ambitions. So today on day one of this message, Pastor Jack tells us that Peter shared the gospel everywhere he went and brought comfort to the believers who were suffering there. His words of compassion can also bring encouragement to us, especially during these dark and confusing times. And now in his message called Anchored to the One True God, Part 3, here's pastor and Bible teacher Jack Hibbs. We ask, Lord God, now that whatever it takes for us to get into this incredible deep truth that Peter is teaching us, Lord, if that means that in our imagination we, we don sandals and we don a robe, and we step back in time 2,000 years ago, we would imagine that we're the ones opening up this letter that has been distributed to those throughout the region of Asia Minor, that we would be the ones encouraged, that the persecution and that the turmoil and that the difficulties that we would have been experiencing, this letter would have brought to us great comfort and, and a great announcement that the God of heaven knows exactly the plight and the condition in which we're in. Well, we thank you, Father, that right now in this century, your eternal word is true to us in our situation. So we may not have sandals on this morning. We may not have robes on, but we have the exact same needs. And we thank you that you are the exact same God. We ask you to bless now the going forth of your word in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. We'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, and we've been looking at our extended introduction into what is considered one of the most sought-after books of the New Testament when it comes to those who find themselves in the church of Jesus in times of difficulty or persecution. I mentioned last week that if the book of Job had a New Testament partner, it would be Peter. The book of Peter, Peter's writing to a group of people that are on the run because of their faith in Jesus. And that has always been the case in, in some way, shape, or form, but what you may or may not be aware of is that that danger 
about being a Christian is surfacing again in the world. It's been on the increase for the last 50 years, according to those mission organizations that monitor such things. But in the last 10 years, it's been increasing dramatically. And in the last five years, you all know, it has been escalating. But we're looking at a message entitled, Anchored to the One True God, and that's the difference. That's the difference for all of us in life, no matter what era, whatever millennial you'll find yourself living in. Those who survive such attacks find themselves anchored to the one true God. And that's what's so delightful about Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Peter writes, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims, the strangers, that is, of this world, of the diaspora. And they're distributed in regions, Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Elect, verse 2 says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Number two, in sanctification of the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. For obedience and sprinkling, number three, of the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he ends this salutation by saying, grace to you and peace be multiplied. You would want that kind of an announcement. If you're, if you're scared, if you're running, if you're on the road, as it were, because you've been driven out of your homeland, Peter makes this announcement and he announces to them that God hasn't forgotten you in your situation, that you may be isolated and you, be, you may be cut off from what's going on as comfort and peace and safety, but God is with you. It's a very powerful thing. It's a very precious thing. And as they were on the run, you got to remember, Peter, when he writes this book, they already had the book of Romans having been written to them by Paul early on. They already had that. And I'm wondering, what would you do if you were on the run? Imagine if California was invaded or there was uprising and, and Christians were being slaughtered and you grabbed your family and you ran for your life and you're running. What would you do? Regarding the Bible, where would you go? You would go to the promises of God, wouldn't you? You, you would be on the run, you would be turning in your Bible and you would be clinging to the promises of God. That's what we would be doing. And I'm wondering if they were meditating themselves as they were on the go. For example, Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Was this in their minds? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine, or nakedness or peril or sword? That would have been a promise I think they would have been clinging to. Peter would have known that promise. Thank God you and I today, we not only have it in print, but we can memorize it in our hearts. And when I think about that, just by making this part relevant, the fact that my mind goes to that famous beach scene that you saw a couple of years ago, and you remember that, you were shocked by that, and I'm gonna ask the guys to put the images up on the screen, by the way. By the way, let me, let me tell you this right now. You guys all know what I'm talking about. That famous scene where ISIS marched those Christians, 21 of them, out uh, to the beach and uh, beheaded them because they were Christians. They gave them, by the way, opportunity to deny Jesus Christ. Not one of them denied Christ. Listen, this is pretty cool. All of them rejoiced in Christ. And I'm not saying that because a Christian pastor is supposed to say that. Uh, we, we know something, but I want to point something out, by the way. You want to know how insecure and weak your enemy is? Did you know the CIA and other agencies began to analyze these photos? And they found out that all of the uh, publications of ISIS in printing this, uh, they, they doctored up the, uh, the images. 
and they concluded that ISIS made all of their guys at or around seven feet tall. In, in, in a Photoshop, they stretched the images of the ISIS warriors to make you be more intimidated. Church, that is a tip-off to the weakness of the enemy. And besides, if you've read your Old Testament, God knows how to deal with giants, does he not? So they marched these 21 Christians, they're Egyptian Coptic Christians, that were looking for work in Libya. And they are taken captive and they're marched down to the beach. And you know the story. And I want to read something to you while uh, you look at the image there. It says, recorded there, or I should say, wondering in my mind what's on their mind. Listen to what happened. What was on their lips as these ISIS warriors were about to kill them? Recorded, ISIS recorded their beheading and then posted it on the internet. But ISIS did us, and I'm reading an article, all a great favor, because the cameraman failed to mute the microphone as, they were, as the beheading began. And caught on camera uh, was the words of each of our brothers as they praised Jesus, quoted scripture, as they were silenced by the blade. The blade that silenced them in this world was the same blade that sent them to shouts and uh, praises of the heavenly host. And this is an amazing thing. You can show the next there. Okay, that slide, great. Sammy Yacob, a Christian reporter on the martyrdom said, and I quote, all of these young men were Christians and in their early to mid-20s. They went to Libya in search for work to help feed their families living under the poverty line in Egypt. In the days and the weeks leading up to their deaths, their ISIS captors tortured them and attempted to persuade them to deny Jesus Christ in return uh, for their lives. They all refused to deny Christ, and so they all died on the beach, and as they did, they sang songs to Jesus and prayed out loud in his name. These men were not mere victims. They are more than conquerors, according to Romans 8.37, whose ultimate sacrifice is a powerful testimony to their faith in Jesus. The gospel message of salvation rises out of this suffering and persecution. As the Middle East was the birthplace of Christianity, the torch of revival that once burned bright for Christ can once again be lit by the spark, sparks created by ISIS. We've seen God use persecution to bring people to him before, and we pray it happens again. That's the CBN News Middle East Bureau reporter. What a tremendous statement. You say, Jack, what does that have to do with us? These people were killed a couple years ago. My point is this, not much has changed. There's a hostile world of the gospel and persecution is rising. And that's a very serious thing. Just this week that arrived in my mailbox was this next, and maybe you get it also, from World Net Daily. If you don't get World Net Daily, you need to get it. It's a great publication. But this is a, a publication of this week. Light versus darkness, the global war on Christians. It is now vogue in the world to attack Christianity and to attack the Christians. But church, be of good cheer. Let me remind you. Romans 8.37 says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the truth you hang on to when your world becomes difficult. 
So in our last study last week, we saw that being anchored to the one true God means this, that we're anchored to a love that has been determined. We saw that in verse two. Remember that? It's a love that is determined, it's infinite, and that determination was done in the infinite mind of God. We saw in verse two that we are the elect according to the foreknowledge of God. We saw last time that this love that we're anchored to is a preceding love that is based upon God's foreknowledge that God makes no mistakes. And I stress the fact, at least I hope I did last week, that all those who want to have their sins forgiven and to have eternal life, whose hearts and minds understand, I need God in my life, I need Christ. The Bible makes it very clear that that thinking and that thought process in your life is none other than the work of God in your life. The antithesis of that is quite terrifying. To the man or to the woman that doesn't have any stomach, any care for the gospel, the gospel that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, that he rose again from the dead for our justification, that Christ ascended back to heaven, that Jesus is coming to receive us someday to himself. The person who has no care for that whatsoever is the person that is not elect, is the person that doesn't care. It's because God in heaven is not calling them. And you say, well, that's, that's unfortunate. That's unfair. No, no, no. Based upon God's foreknowledge, he knew from all time and eternity that you had no stomach for his truth. God's not going to send you to hell. That's something that you're deciding to do yourself. But if you should turn and reach and call out to Christ, God is saying to you, then you come. And Jesus says, nobody can come to me unless the Father draw him. So the decision is always this. And I don't know about you. Yes, I do. If you're a Christian today, every day, though we are saved and going to heaven, every day we get up and we say, good morning, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. Take me, Lord. Use me, Lord. I give my life to you, Lord. And there's that perpetual yieldedness to God, right? It's in our hearts. And I trust that's in your heart today. So now we pick it up. We dive back into our study, finishing off on verse two. We're anchored to this infinite love of God in the sense that it's a relentless love. Write that down, Christian. God's love for you is relentless. It is a love that pursues you. And how do we see that? Peter says, in sanctification of the Holy Spirit or of the Spirit of God. Sanctification. The word sanctification in the Greek in the original Bible means this, listen. It means that God would, and I will use a modern day word, it means that God repurposes you and I. He takes something from somewhere out of its environment and places it in a new environment. The word is simply to take up out of and to place into, to go from one state into a different state. When God says that we are sanctified of the Holy Spirit, this word means it's the work of God to make sure that you are taken out of this world. By the way, in that process, he takes you out of this world. Listen, he takes the world out of you, puts the new world of God in you, and then he places you back into this world, but you're a completely different person. This is the act of sanctification. No one's going to go to heaven without the Holy Spirit having sanctified you. And it's an amazing thing because if you want to look at this deeper, the book of Romans talks about the believer who has been sanctified. That is a positional sanctification. That means that God has come into the life, you, you, your life. You've said yes to Jesus. And in that moment of conversion, God positionally sanctifies you. Listen, he writes your name down in the Lamb's book of life and you are secured in heaven above if you're born again. But 
You and I are living every day in this life. And the Bible says we are being sanctified. And that's where the book of James comes in. The book of James says, well, now that you're positionally sanctified, as the book of Romans talks about, the book of James teaches that you and I are living every day in a developmental state. That is, God the Holy Spirit is making you and I every day more like Jesus. And listen, he does that. He does that through life's difficulties. That's how it happens. And I'm glad the Bible says that because you and I need to understand that the difficulties that we have in our lives is a sanctifying work of God. It's not hopelessness. And so how does this eternal plan work out? So God does the electing, God does the choosing, God the Father. So throughout all eternity, God knows those who are his. Next, the Holy Spirit goes to work the moment of your conversion, the Holy Spirit draws you to Christ, and now he comes into your life, and he goes to work in this sanctification. It's a tremendous thing. By the way, the word implies to take that which is profane or common and to make it now holy and uncommon or special. And that's who you are today. Are you a Christian today? If you're a Christian today, you are no longer common according to God. I know, don't you feel common? I feel common. But the truth of the matter is, God looks at you now uncommon. God looks at you as unique. I want you to hear this. This is from a, a Greek scholar, Kenneth Weiss, a famous Greek scholar. And this may be boring to you. I hope not. Listen to what he says, and I quote, The whole structure of what Peter is saying is in the locative sphere. That's a Greek uh, understanding of interpretation. It's the law of Bible interpretation. Meaning that... God the Father chose the sinner out from among mankind to be the recipient of the setting apart work of the Holy Spirit, in which the Spirit's work sets the sinner apart from his unbelief to the act of faith in Jesus Christ. The conclusion being that the believing sinner, notice how he keeps stressing sinner, I like that, that's why I'm giving you this quote, <laughs> that the believing sinner is then plunged into the finished work of Christ, his blood being, as it were, a pool from which the believing sinner is resurrected, now being covered with the blood of Jesus. Is that not graphic? The Holy the God says, give me somebody's name, your, your name. Todd. Did you say Todd? All right, give me a name. John. Okay, I can't hear you. Todd, you're Todd. So God calls you from eternity and he elects you, he chooses you in eternity because he knows all things. God knows. He knows the day and the moment that you're gonna come to Christ. The Holy Spirit then goes to work to bring that to pass. When he does that, when you say yes to that overture of the Holy Spirit, the gospel is presented, you say yes, God who knew all things, God the Father, the Holy Spirit is effective at his work, leads you into a relationship with Christ. The moment that happens, you, according to God, are plunged into the blood of Jesus Christ, imagine that, and brought up out of that pool of blood, and all God sees is you, Todd, and all of us, covered in the blood of Christ. Amen. That's why, listen, we are, we are sinners. We hate our sin now. We don't want to sin, but we still have the sin nature. We sin, but we're covered in the blood of Christ. 
Listen, you and I do not see the blood of Christ on us. That's why we need to come to church and be reminded. That's why we need to read the word. We, we are reminded that we're covered in the blood of Christ. We have been declared righteous because God the Father, who is holy and pure, looks at the righteousness of the Son, and that is reflected back through the eyes of the Father. And what that Son reflection is, is the blood of Christ appropriated to you and I. It is awesome. It is called redemption. It is called salvation. And from that moment on, God looks at you and I covered in Christ's blood. It's the blood. It's all about the blood. Christianity, listen, Christianity, might, somebody might say, it's a bloody religion. Yes, it is. Hallelujah. Amen. It's the blood of God shed for me at the cross and presented there in that place in the Holy of Holies in heaven above where my salvation is secure. Absolutely secure. Listen to this. You, you might know this song. It may have already come to your mind. There is a fountain filled with blood. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilt or guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day, and there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away, so goes the hymn, and there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. There is that fountain, and that's great theology. Again, Weiss affirms, he says, the Greek language so used here and the authorship of this epistle makes this an undeniable fact that it is the Holy Spirit's ministry to do the sanctifying work in the life of the believer, say amen. amen. It is God. Listen, it, do you want to turn to Christ? Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to trust the Lord Jesus Christ? You can't do that without the work of the Holy Spirit. And when you yield to him, that's when the Spirit says, thank you for opening the door. He rolls up his sleeves and he grabs you and goes to work in a sanctifying way all the way through till you breathe your last breath on earth. Thank God, glory be to God. What Jesus did with the 12 disciples on the shores of Galilee and in Israel, think of it, Jesus, 12 of them, walking with him, three and a half years, period of time. The Holy Spirit now does to billions of people throughout these last 2,000 years. Think about that. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs, here on Real Radio, in his message called Anchored to the One True God, Part 3. Thanks for joining us today, and our hope is that you stir up the flame that is within you, knowing that as you move forward in His will, He's always going to have your back. Anchored to the One True God, Part 3, is part of Pastor Jack's series called The First Epistle of Peter. It's a series that takes us through the life and times of the Apostle Peter, whose love for Jesus Christ carried him through great persecution, and whose compassion for others still inspires us today. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Radio. You know, the Apostle Peter reminds us that it's the Lord who gives us strength. But you know, we all know that there's strength in numbers. So why don't you join the thousands who are following Pastor Jack on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram? Become a part of what's happening with continuing updates, posts, messages, Bible studies, and so much more. Also, be sure to comment, hit the like button, as we've made that very easy for you. Simply go to our website, reallifewithjackhibbs.org, to access Pastor Jack on social media. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. Or you can find it on the Real Life mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. 
Hey, we've got a special offer for you. The Life and Bible series is now available on an MP3 CD. And for a gift of any amount, you'll get 17 complete audio messages along with Pastor Jack's sermon notes all on one disc. Yeah, you'll get the notes too. Just go to our website, reallifewithjackhibbs.org, and take advantage of this great offer on the Life and Bible series. And remember, it's yours for a gift of any amount at reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. I'm David J. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Radio.